0: We have um, been talking about in this uh, class is the idea that humans were created in the image of God, and that humans were um, commissioned to participate in the work of God, and that in the creation of humanity, God is creating a being who has incredible potential, and incredible capabilities. Um, and we have those things because we are partners with God, because God created us for partnership. And so we went through the, the uh, creation week. We went through the, the creation story where um, God creates uh, seemingly by himself up to day six, and then he creates a being in his image and his likeness, and calls that being to participate with him. And then uh, we move into the garden story, and and humanity is placed in the garden. But the garden is not the, the completion of God's plan. It's just the starting point of God's plan, right? Humanity was to fill the earth, to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and cultivate it and take responsibility for it. And so the garden is sort of the cradle of humanity, this, the launching point for this great mission of partnering with God and cultivating and creating life. And um, so the plan was in place. It's, it's an amazing kind of outlook on, um, on who we are and what God intends for us and intends to do with us. Um, but, of course, um, as, as we know, like, things get more complicated. And so um, we can ask the question, well, what went wrong? And, um, and so this is a big, big question that I think overarches the, the rest of the Scripture. And is actually kind of our window into what's happening in the rest of the scriptural story. A lot of times we break these stories up into their different components and we look at just one at a time. And what, um, one thing that I've been trying to get at or to, um, to wrestle with in these things is, is the idea that maybe all of the stories through scripture are connected. All of this really has a deeper connection and a deeper kind of um, uh, storyline than sometimes we pick up on. And so um, the question of what went wrong uh, in Christian thinking uh, usually is explained in terms of the fall. So the fall is uh, when we're talking about that, we're generally talking about the story that shows up in Genesis 2 and 3. So I want to read through that story, and um, we'll read through it in uh, the message just to kind of get some new eyes and new perspective on what that story might be saying. So then God planted a garden in Eden in the east. He put the man he had just made in it. God made all kinds of trees grow from the ground, trees beautiful to look at and good to eat. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden, also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God took the man and set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground and keep it in order. God commanded the man, you can eat from any tree in the garden except from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. The moment you eat from that tree, you're dead. The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, Don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, You won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized that she would get what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband and he ate. Immediately the two of them did see what's really going on. They saw themselves naked. They sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. And when they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God. God called to the man, where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you gave me as a companion, she gave me fruit from the tree, and yes, I ate it. God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? The serpent seduced me, she said, and I ate. God told the serpent, Because you've done this, you're cursed, cursed beyond all cattle and wild animals, cursed to slink on your belly and eat dirt all your life. I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head, and you'll wound his heel. He told the woman, I'll multiply your, multiply your pains in childbirth. You'll give birth to your babies in pain. You'll want to please your husband, but he'll lord it over you. He told the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, don't eat from this tree. The very ground is cursed because of you. Getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies is for your wife. You'll be working in pain all your life long. The ground will spout thorns and weeds, you'll get food the hard way, planting and tilling and harvesting, sweating in the fields from dawn to dusk, until you return to that ground yourself, dead and buried, you started out as dirt, you'll end up as dirt. And God said, the man has become like one of us, capable of knowing everything, ranging from good to evil. What if he now should reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat and live forever? Never, this cannot happen. So God expelled them from the Garden of Eden and sent them to work the ground, the same dirt out of which they'd been made. He threw them out of the garden and stationed angel cherubim and a revolving sword of fire east of it, guarding the path to the tree of life. So here's the. This is the story, right? This is the story that is um, supposed to explain where all the bad things in the world came from. And I think uh, it's a very, uh, very deep story. And it, for uh, most of it's a very confusing story. But there are so many layers of meaning, so many things going on in this, and uh, we can't possibly unpack them all, right? So we we have to try to find our way through this we have to try to find some some elements of meaning that we can pull out not exhausting the meaning of the text but something that we can kind of um, uh, guide guide ourselves by something where we can kind of pick out what the overarching theme of this is what the overarching message that we should get from this story is so the first question that i have when looking at this story is who put the tree there right so what's, what's the answer to that? Okay, God put it there, yeah. God put the tree there. God planted the tree in uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life right in the middle of the garden. And um, that brings up the question, why? Right, like, why would God um, do this? What... Um, What was God thinking, right? Putting putting this thing there that would have the ability to disrupt all of human history starting in, you know, in this one moment. Um, And there are a lot of different answers that people have suggested, right? A lot of different things that people have proposed as why God would put this tree there. And some people would say um, things like, well, maybe God was tempting us. Maybe God wanted to to tempt us or test us. Maybe God wanted to put something dangerous there. I don't know. Have you guys heard other explanations for this? The beginning of free will. Okay. Yeah, free will. Yeah, if we don't have the ability to choose something bad, then how can we be we said to have... To yeah, good. right. Yeah. Any other, any other thoughts?
1: other have had arguments over that, you know, did God create sin? Mm-hmm. Or did we create sin? Right
0: very confusing yeah sorry because when you read it you
1: think yeah well God
0: created it yeah you don't want to believe that <laughs> right so it's just it's, it's a yeah anundrum, I think yeah it's yeah it's it's tricky it's there's a lot of a lot of questionable elements right God created the serpent too right there's this is a big big question but we also you know we we have scripture that says God Does not tempt people, right? Like so, the the idea that um, God's wanting us to trip up or something like that—that seems that seems iffy, right? But like you don't put a a pocket knife in your baby's crib, right? Like you you know what's what's going on there. Um. So this is um, this is a big question. People have all kinds of different. Answers for it. Um, for me, most of the answers that I've heard don't quite add up. They leave something out, or they some some parts of the picture they're painting don't don't quite connect. Um, so, the the thing that I want to suggest, uh, the thing that makes sense of this for me, is um, that that um, both of these trees are the gifts of God. And so that's a, that's a little bit weird, but, but let's think about it. Like we've, we've just gone through a creation process where God set, declared all creation very good, right? Does God then start introducing bad things to it, right? Depending on how you read it, you would, you would even see that the tree of knowledge might have been part of what God is declaring as very good. So I think um, this is part of God's good creation. But to understand how that would make sense, um, I think it helps to kind of put back on our um, ancient Babylonian or ancient Egyptian or ancient Israelite um, hat and say, what what is it as we come to the story that we, what do we know? What do we bring to the story? And I would suggest that if you're one of these people in the ancient world and you um, worship some kind of God, any God that you know of that's, um, that's worth worshipping, you know has two attributes, two characteristics that make that being so incredible. And the first of those is that any God worth worshipping has unending life and unlimited knowledge. Right? This is true of, of however, whatever kind of God that you would follow. And so I think that in the biblical story, this is what we would already know about God, right? God has unending life and unlimited knowledge. This is what we already bring to to our understanding of who God is and what God's like. But the biblical story is not just telling us about God, right? It's telling us about the relationship that God wants to have with us. And so when you're reading this story as Um, knowing that God has life and has knowledge, that the possession of God is eternal life, uh, as the New Testament says it. And then the story says that God planted two trees in Eden, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. Then I think what you would pick up from that is that God is wanting to share these aspects of himself with humanity. That God is putting these there in humanity's first home, not because um, he's trying to tempt us or to cause us problems, but because this is something that he wants to share with us. And he's saying, this is the life that I have, and I've made you in my image and likeness. This is part of what I want you to participate in. Um, and, And when I see this, I'm reminded of... Uh, Luke 15 in the story of the prodigal son where um, God as the father is speaking to his older son and says, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. These are the things that God has and he wants to give them to us so that we can be in our participation and a partnership with him. God's not holding back what is truly part of his essence. So he's saying in this story, I think he's saying to humanity, this is my life and I want you to participate in it. I have work that I do to create and cultivate life. I want you to do that too. And the gifts that I have the, 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 that allow me to do that in some sense are things that I want you to also participate in. Unending life, unlimited knowledge. These are part of what God intends for humanity. But saying that, then there's a wrinkle because we just read the story and God said, do not eat of this tree, right? And so um, what, is, what is the, the uh, hiccup there? What's the catch? And I wanna suggest that what we're seeing is that God is saying, not yet. Right? I'm putting these two things here for you because they are for you, they are good, but you're not yet ready to to handle both of them, okay? Um, And I think what he says to them is he says, don't eat from the tree because in the day you eat of it, you will surely die, right? He's saying, if you take of this knowledge before you're ready, then you're going to lose out on the life that I have prepared for you. It's going to inhibit your ability to participate in the life that I have planned, um, and so God wants them to participate in that. So how can we like um, how can we frame that? And I think uh, that um, what's helpful is to think about how we um, relate to children, right? When uh, as as a As a species, as a community, as a civilization, we know that children, we want them to grow up to be healthy adults, right? And as healthy adults, they're going to have life stretching out in front of them. And they're going to have knowledge and they're going to wrestle with very difficult questions. That's part of what it means to be an adult. They're going to wrestle with all of the things that are happening in the world, both good and evil. They're going to be aware of all the suffering that's happening. And they're going to be aware of all the difficult moral questions that we as humanity wrestle with every single day right that's what it means to be an adult and it's a tough tough job um, uh, as I know from experience right Um, so we want this is what we want for children right we want them to grow up to be competent capable adults who wrestle and struggle and deal with all of these difficult questions but we don't want them to do that too soon right we want them to deal with those questions deal with that knowledge when they're ready and that means we have to let them have time to experience certain things to grow to be able to handle different things at different times right and if we um, if we, we know that if children are exposed to some of these things too soon, that it can result in trauma, and it can result in shame, and it can result in fear. Right? It can result in lasting impacts um, that, that create these, these negative effects. Um, you know, negative repercussions for their life, right? So I think in the biblical story, we should understand that humans at this point, humanity at this point, are effectively children, right? Especially in their relationship with God. This is a immature, young relationship. And God is saying to them, I want you to have my life. I want you to have my knowledge. But if you take this knowledge too soon, it's going to interfere with your ability to participate in the life that I want for you and um, and so I think this is what we see happen right they they take the knowledge and immediately they're filled they're traumatized they're filled with shame they're filled with fear they immediately start hiding right And so in that moment, in the very first moment after they do that, they've already lost the life that God intended for them, right? Because now they've fallen out of partnership with God. Now they're running from partnership with God rather than participating with him. So God is there in the garden. He's, I am always with you. Everything I have is yours. But now that they have been traumatized by something they weren't yet ready for, they are now running from God, right? So, I think this is, a, um, this is a question that sometimes comes up when we're reading the story. Uh, the serpent lied, right? But what was the lie that the serpent told? He tells them, he tells them two things, kind of. He says, you won't die. Yep. So, the, the two things the serpent says are, you, you won't die. You'll become like God, knowing good and evil, right? And, and I think sometimes we, we are confused about which part of that is a lie. But the part that's, we know that becoming like God is actually what happens, right? God says, look, they've become like we are. They've become like me, knowing good and evil. So this was effective, right? This did that. Um, but what the lie was, you won't die, right? And as soon as, um, as soon as they take the knowledge, I would say they do die in that moment. They lose their connection with God. Um, and so this is, yeah, this is the, the thing that, um, I, you know, I would suggest is that this is a story about how we are a species that grew up too soon. Okay? God wanted us... To grow up to be able to fully take on all of the all of the difficult things of being humans in the world but he wanted us to do that in time in a certain process he wanted us to experience the life of God before the knowledge of God instead we chose the knowledge of God rather than the life of God and so what happens is we're filled with trauma we're filled with shame we're filled with separation and so, what, what is the first thing that starts happening after they start hiding from God, after they're filled with shame? What, what are the repercussions of that? Kicked
2: out of
0: the garden. Okay, they're kicked out of the garden. Even before they're kicked out of the garden, what happens, though? Kicking out of the garden is kind of the culmination. They realize they're naked. Okay, they, realize they're naked. Um, they hide. They're blocked from the tree of life, and, but in between there, God pronounces the curses, right? And God says, um, what, are, what are the curses about? What do they say?
3: They're essentially about life. Okay. Say, like working the fields without producing
0: it's mm-hmm. like going. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. So if it makes life life itself difficult to
0: keep going. Mhm. Yeah. I and I would I would say say uh, the way I would put it is that all of their relationships become problematic, right? The relationship of humanity to the ground, to the environment, to the world around it becomes a problem the relationship between men and women become a problem right the relationship between um, people and their children become a problem Uh, and so all of these all their relationships become much more complex at this point they become complicated by the introduction I would suggest of trauma of, of fear of shame and of course the key of it all is that it started with the breaking down of the relationship with God, right? To lose out on participating in the life of God, to lose out on their partnership with God is to lose out on these other things. And it culminates in being kicked out of the garden. It's not going to be okay for them to, keep, um, to grab onto immortality um, at this point in time, right? Um, and, and I think there are, there are lots of deep questions that we can ask about that. Lots of, of um, other issues that that brings up. But what I, what I want to suggest is that um, they're saying, God's saying to them, I want you to have life and knowledge. I want you to have the life before you have the knowledge. They took the knowledge before they had the life. And now... They're just not able to handle both, right? And so we kind of emerge as a species um, with, in some sense, the knowledge of God, right? The knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of all the difficult things in the world, the knowledge of our own mortality, um, which is a huge, huge thing in human society. Um, and, um, And God says, we're not yet ready for the life, right? You got the knowledge, but now this is a problem and we're going to have to solve this problem. We're gonna have to try to heal the trauma and heal the shame and heal the fear so that then you can be ready to fully participate in the life of God. And I think that takes the entirety of the biblical story, right? We see the biblical story as this process of how does God work to heal the relationship, to heal this trauma at the root of humanity so that we can be prepared to take on both the knowledge and the life in full participation and partnership with God. Does that make sense? I know that's a lot of like a lot of stuff trying to tie tie together there. Um, f- for me, this is um, this is a window into the rest of the, the biblical story and gives a lot of meaning, um, and obviously. Um, all the way to Christ, and I think what we see in Christ is the um, the final solution to this trauma, the final healing of the rift between God and humanity, so that um, now the way is open for humans to participate, for humans to hold on to both the knowledge and the life of God, and to fulfill the purposes that God has for us. Um, and... And one thing in that that I, I think sometimes we, we miss in our reading the biblical story is we think that Eden is good, that things go bad, and then that God restores it, right? That's the ultimate idea is to restore it good, bad, back to good again. But in this arc that we've been tracing, and uh, part of the reason for starting back in Genesis 1 is I think It's actually a bigger picture than that. It's that God wants us to be on this trajectory of increasingly sharing in his life. We start out on that trajectory. We lose our ability to fully participate in that. And God restores us not just to how things were, but back into full participation, back on the trajectory of continuing to create and partner and live with God, creating and cultivating life in the world. So, um, that's, that's, uh, all, (laughs) all I got for today. I don't know. I mean, is, is like I said, that's, that's some big stuff. What, What are your, um, what are your thoughts on that? Does this, um, sound reasonable, sound crazy?
1: about life and knowledge for a while, mm-hmm. then did he make a mistake by mm. putting that in front of us so yeah. early, and where did the serpent come from, like, is the, did God create evil, yeah, um, was it already present, mm-hmm. like, how, mm-hmm. how did that, about because if God created everything that was there, then are we saying that God created evil? Right, are we saying that God created sin? Yeah, um, if He never intended for those things to be a part of this world, then why were they there?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I don't know, it's just yeah, it's because I agree with you. I think the, the thought is absolutely correct. I just mm-hmm. I think there's so many unanswered questions as mm-hmm. to. Why those things are there in the
0: first place? If God never intended for us to go off that path. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, and I don't. I don't think there's there's any like here's the answer to this, right? Like that's a it's a huge open question. But I think um, I, I think it's it's in, inherent in any kind of open ended system, right? When you when you create something and kind of open it up to participation with others, they, you know you don't know where things are going to go, right? And um, and you know that that philosophically we talk about that in terms of free choice and you know things like that. But but it's it, you know it come, I think over and over the scripture uses that that theme of God as parent, right? And so God is, is parenting humanity. Humanity is, is, um, the, the children of God. Um, and in that ongoing relationship, it's always kind of a, a struggle, right? It's always a question of like, okay, are they prepared for this? Are they prepared for this? Are they prepared for this? And I think every child finds out some things too soon, right? Like they, and that's just part of how the, the relationship works, right? You're, you're bringing them into a world that's going to be complicated and you're trying to protect them from certain things until they're ready for it you're trying to to keep them um, uh, you know around things that they're largely equipped to handle but then continue to stretch them and as you do that I mean sometimes there are there are wrong turns that happen you know Um, so I don't think You know for me i don't think of of it as like okay god put something evil in the world i think what god did is he put something complicated in the world and complicated things um, you know always have um have ways of going wrong it's it's like uh you know uh if you have a fresh fruit or something right like a fresh fruit is an invitation for uh, decay to, to set in, like if you if you leave it out, it's going to set in. It doesn't mean that the fresh fruit is bad or that it has like decay um, in it. That's just one of the things that that can happen in that kind of a situation.
4: I might muddle this a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, from what I understand, this is the same argument that a lot of like evolutionary biologists make. Okay. That that like homo sapiens is effectively, like we have this um, this incredible ability to change our environment, but without the foresight mm. of what that will entail, right. without the um, the ability to co-work together across a global scale, we've never had to do that in our mm-hmm. human history until the last, I don't know, 100 years. Yeah. Um, so effectively, like th- that's that is kind of the explanation of how of you know atomic bombs and nuclear mm-hmm. capacity and um, you know, the fact that we're we are drastically changing our atmosphere that we had you know we learned we we had what we needed to be able to like drill and burn fossil fuel way before we had the ability yeah. and like we don't have that like we mm-hmm. don't have it in our DNA
0: yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 we We. Um, we have this incredible destructive capacity, and we haven't learned to channel it in the right ways. Because we haven't
4: had enough time.
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: We haven't had, you know,
3: evolutionary time mm-hmm. to work this mm-hmm. out. Um, I think, I, just um, off, like, the question, I think one question for me is, um, like for instance, you got know putting those trees there that no we would someday take too early. Mm-hmm. My, my thinking is I I just think of it as like the nature of love, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, there has to be some kind of um, choice involved with love and so that trees, that invitation uh mm-hmm. withholding it's the love of God. And then it makes it interesting in the sense that like if God is creating out of enjoyment and out of just it's God is love, love is relationship, He mm-hmm. naturally creates. So that means you have to have that open ended system in mm-hmm. for it to be love because that's what God is. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think it's um, it's always in the sense of like God created and like he knew with Paul so he could act out love. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, um and that's where you really, like, you can get very, uh, uh you know, very, like, well, you know, the guy to know and, you know, you look right. up at that tree there and you know, you have you have to act out loud, right. you know, to do that in order to, because that is his nature, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's, like, it's
0: you yeah, yeah, yeah. with Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people, you know, and this comes up through, through the entire biblical story. To what extent is God kind of playing along with us, right? And to what extent is God genuinely uh, surprised in the, in the flood story that everybody is so violent? You know, like, is God really surprised by that? Or is he, is he kind of, you know, like, what are you guys doing? And it's kind of, uh, you know, um, and... You know, I, different people have different answers to that. I don't I don't have an answer to that other than to say, I think, regardless, God was committed to saying, like, I'm sticking with these people regardless of what happens.
3: Yeah, and, and to, write, to me, this Bible, the Genesis story is like, God had to sacrifice in order to basically complete mm-hmm. the creation story in order to fully yeah. act out this creation of love yeah. that started in Genesis. Yeah. Um, almost in a way, you can think about like, what the nature of love is and why He created and what who got you know who God mm-hmm. is and all that. Um. Yeah. When did the concept of God being love
1: come to mm-hmm. our understanding? Just mm-hmm. I mean, i was thinking about like the Old Testament and mm-hmm. the you know Lot probably right. didn't think yeah. that God was love and yeah. or, or like I just there's so many stories. Where yeah. God wasn't necessarily what we would interpret yeah. as love, although it was in, in like an underlying mm-hmm. sense, um, or like people being persecuted and killed. Like, was that God being love? I don't. I don't know. So yeah. I don't know when the the concept of us really understanding God yeah. to be that for us kind of came about. Yeah.
3: Well. I got an interesting point to this on the sense of I think it says in the Bible we know the fruits of the spirit the mm-hmm. love, patience, goodness kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control that kind of thing mm-hmm. if you look at this whole story all of that was tested mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. and I think on the sense of that God was not only testing patience he was testing self-control because think about it you know the serpent used it as do you have self-control to realize God wants to give you this eventually but are you going to act on it on the way humans act on it as I want it now
0: right yeah 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 that's huh yeah the without without having in in essence time to develop those fruits of the spirit right then they they don't have that when they're when they're dealing with this yeah that's that's interesting.
4: That said, this story really uh, does lend itself to a very like punitive,
0: right. and
4: hierarchical centers of the angry, hands of an angry God kind of. Mm-hmm. And so I'm even wondering, like, do we teach this to our kids?
0: So I think, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big question, but but the there have been a lot of of pretty dark readings of these things right and a a lot of people that I've read think of this as a story about God trying to keep us from becoming like him right like God doesn't want us to be Mm -hmm. like which makes God look kind of like an idiot like he did he didn't want them to to be able to do this and because it was threatening to him in some way and I, and of course I don't as a Christian I don't read it like that right I read it God is God is a loving god we we start with that and I see this even in Genesis 1 so I don't I you know like uh, but but yeah so many people read this in a really dark way even just our instincts in in coming to this kind of stuff yeah has been used against women yeah for
4: hundreds of thousands yeah all the years
0: yeah yeah it's been used
4: against I even kind
0: of like as you are reading
4: I'm like yeah yeah I have a
0: little PTSD yeah yeah <laughs> yes. like so, yeah some of the ways that this this has been used uh, yeah and I know like I mean obviously we can't fix all those no, okay. those readings in but but this is like to me it's it's good to to start out if if we if we say okay so god god is inviting us god wants something good for us then how do we read this story yeah. right and if we can do that yeah. then i think we can start to overcome some of those those negative readings and see you know and and um even in context right like the the struggle between men and women that comes up that's not part of the thing that god intended right this is part of the negative repercussions of that mm-hmm. i think even there the story helps us like start to frame those but yeah we, uh, as with any story, we can bring all kinds of stuff to it and get all kinds of stuff back. So, um, well,
2: what? If, what if just you know, what if God's not punishing us? He he's saying, uh, now there's. A, I gave you a glimpse at paradise. You got so bored.
0: <laughs> One day. <laughs> yeah.
2: Seriously, I mean. Yeah. He gave them everything, and we see that today. You know, people yeah. athletes who retire. Very, very wealthy people who just have so much. They, they're bored. Yeah. They have nothing to do. Yeah. You know, they were in paradise. They had nothing to do. They, it doesn't say they farmed them. Mm-hmm. They just went out and ate and lived. Mm-hmm. And Satan came along and said, hey, i got something new. Hey, let's try this. Yeah. Because sin had not been defined because there was order. There was no violation of one person against another. There was no violation of people against God at that time. You know, they mm-hmm. could have violated God. They could have said, God, stop walking with me today. That would have right, been yeah. just as bad as the tree. You know. Right. The tree was just there. It was part of that opening. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when he kicked him out of the garden, he said, all right, you're not in the garden anymore. Here's what you have to do to live. Yep. Yeah, it sounds like a punishment because life is hard. You know, when we kick our kids out of the house, we don't say, "Oh, it's going to be rosy. Go out and live." Yeah, yeah. We say, "All right, there's things you got to do. We have tried to prepare you. You got You're going to have to get a job." Yeah. You're going to. Ha- you don't have to have kids, but if you do, it's not going to be easy. From the very moment you have them, it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Childbirth's not easy. Raising them's not easy. Yeah. There's a thing about kids. It's going to be. Easy. Now we've got good kids up there. Yeah. But raising them still hard. You still got to feed them. Mm -hmm. You know. So here's how you feed them. You go out and you till the soil. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not going to be easy. Yeah. It's going to be like punishment. If you've ever worked in a garden or a big garden or a field, it's not easy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I like I like uh, I like that way of putting it. Like kicking the kids out of the house. That's essentially what happens here, right? Like, God's like, okay, like you know.
2: But we say it's punishment. But in a lot of ways, it's instruction. They didn't know how to. Right. If God had just kicked them out, they mm-hmm. would have died immediately. Because mm-hmm. they. W- yeah. No truth yeah. Yeah. to Eat from God. I. Don't, where do I get the grain? Where? Do I... <laughs> uh, well. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> interesting. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, here's your guidebook. You know,
3: life's hard. Here's how you get through the hard parts. Yeah. You work.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. <coughs> yeah.
3: I think the story is important to tell like, kids because it answers the question of why. Like, why is the world the way it is? And I think, um, I think it's really like with that, you know, it's sometimes you find it really, I like, some, like, as, as community, we come to the grips of the world is a broken place, and this gives us a narrative that why as to why it is. We
0: like we all resonate with this because we've all experienced it in some way.
3: Yeah, we have experienced a broken world, and so I think for us to move on mm-hmm. to, toward that restoration, that uh, redemption, with the understanding understand the why at the first to help us. Uh, it's like that one of the like uh, you come to the realization the world's broken the next thing is well how come yeah and then this gives us that narrative yeah and worry
0: to uh, uh you know order the yeah context. yeah we I don't want to I don't want to get in trouble with the the powers that be so thank you guys so much and I'm going to I'm going to that Okay. Okay. Cool.